welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship podcast here on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. As always, I'm your host, Colin. Still no Austin. I think you're seeing the recurring theme here. Who knows when he'll be back, but who needs him? Um, I will be bringing you a solo show today. We, behind the scenes over at the site, have been doing a pretty massive rankings overhaul. I'm sure you've seen some tweets uh, put out there by Matt and Chris. I know have been tweeting out about their updates. I know Austin's updated his as well. All across the board, we're updating all the rankings. So this episode is going to be all about my rankings overhauls here. We're going to talk top 10 uh, at QB wide receiver and RB at C2C rankings for campus to Canton leagues and Debbie leagues. Uh, I'll give you guys a couple names for some risers, talk about a couple guys who have fallen. Um, but before we really get into it, I think the the theme of this year, at least in terms of ranking so far, as I've been finding it, is uncertainty. There is just not a lot of uh, clear cut guys at the top that really at really any position um, wide receiver, probably the two two of the most established guys um, with Luther Burden and Evan Stewart, both guys that I would feel pretty comfortable with. feel fairly confident those guys are going to be first round picks when they come out in the NFL draft. So I would feel pretty good taking them uh, early in C2C startups, Debbie startups, everything like that. But uh, at the quarterback position, I have no tier one quarterbacks. Uh, and my tier one guys are guys that I think are like first round locks at the position um, after removing guys that were pretty confident are going, going off the NFL in Caleb Williams in May. I don't know if they've officially announced yet, but I'd be shocked if they didn't. Um, Jaden Daniels off to the NFL as well. Those guys are gone. Um, guys like Bo Nix and Penix and guys who were stalwarts at the position, they're off as well. Um, but there's not really anybody to take their place. Um, so quarterback position no top tier guys, a lot of flux. Uh, running back, kind of, kind of the same way. I, I don't have any um, tier one running backs either. Uh, those are guys that I consider possible first round picks. Um, tier two, I think, are guys that are more like early, early day two, early second round guys. Um, that's kind of where most of these guys are for me right now at the running back position. But no tier one RB running backs. No tier one quarterbacks for me uh, and then I mentioned you know I have Burden and Stewart um, we'll see if if Carnell Tate ends up cracking tier one I'm not 100% sure if he will or not yet uh, but tier two at wide receivers there's some guys but and uh, we're losing a lot of depth at the wide receiver position this year I mean we're losing guys that like um, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Malik Neighbors um, Roma Dunze Mecca Egbuka uh, we're potentially Igbuka. We'll get into that. Uh, Worthy, Jalen McMillan, uh, Devontae Walker, uh, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr. Maybe Adonai Mitchell. Maybe a lot of guys that we could be losing, um, and not a not a ton of guys that we feel super confident in stepping in and filling their shoes. So uh, wide receiver is okay at the top, not quite as deep. There's a lot of uncertainty this year at the position uh, or at, uh, at at the top of the rankings. And I think this, if you're doing startups, if you are, um, you know, if you have a lot of these guys, this could be a time to to look to, to trade. So if you're in startups, 
might move back. Uh, if I can't get one of the guys that I really feel good about at the top of the draft, I might move back and see if I can't trade my first for, you know, a second and a third. I don't have to give up my first and a sixth or, or something along those lines. You know, we'll see how how things kind of shake out as the offseason goes on, because we could get some guys who rise up a little bit. But as of now, the top is looking a little shaky. Uh, but we'll get into it here. We'll start with the Campus Canton League rankings, start at the quarterback position. Uh, and my my number one guy, uh, it's somebody, you know, Austin mentioned as, as his number one guy a while back. And that's kind of where I'm at now as well. Connor Wigman, uh, quarterback at Texas A&M. I think, you know, he's probably the closest, the safest guy that we have at, at this point. And that's not really saying all that much because he only played four games this year. So he could still technically take a medical red shirt. I'm not sure if he will or not, but he only played in four games this year. 82 for 119, 68.9% completion percentage. That That's pretty nice, pretty solid. 979 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, which is not great, but it's not bad. Um, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, and then he has two rushing touchdowns on the ground with 63 yards there. So decent stat line this year in those four games. He does get Colin Klein coming in as the offensive coordinator. Colin Klein coming in from Kansas State, where he led Will Howard to a very productive year this year. Uh, Will Howard was QB 15 in terms of fantasy points per game, 23.4. Um, he had 61.3% uh, completion percentage, 2,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 picks. He also had nine rushing touchdowns, 351 yards on the ground. So, he got a lot done on the ground, and that's something Colin Klein does seem to like in his quarterbacks. It is something that Connor Wigman can bring as well. He was a, a true dual threat in high school. He's mobile with his legs at the SEC level. Um, he's probably, you know, he's he's not a true dual threat in the SEC level, but he's definitely mobile. Defenses definitely have to respect his legs, uh, and he does keep his eyes downfield when on the move too. So he's more looking to throw than he is to run, but he can pick up those yards when he needs to. Uh, I think he also shows the ability to create off script uh, and he's a really nice arm. He was a high level baseball prospect. So you, you kind of see that coming in with his arm strength, his ability to throw from different arm angles. So I think there's the Debbie angle there as well. Uh, if he can have a really nice year with Colin Klein uh, at in the sec, we could potentially see him come out this year. Maybe he even comes back for a fourth year for his senior year so he can get another year on tape, uh, which I think would be pretty good, actually, because you would get two years of fantasy production. Uh, and that's kind of what's putting him at the number one position for me, is if we assume that he you know, can be pretty much what Howard was, QB 15, even if he can be QB 20, um, that's that's pretty solid for fantasy purposes, and that's uh, there's not a lot of other um, top tier Devi and um, fantasy college CFF guys this year. You know, we had Williams in May before that, um, Jane Daniels up there as well. So you know, we had guys in the past, but that's not really going to be the case this year. Uh, my number two guy could potentially break that mold right now. That's Nico Iamalieva. Um, he's at number two for me. Again, a lot of it, I think is going to have to do with the production you're going to get on the CFF side for him for a couple of years. And a lot of it also is the uncertainty around the position as a whole. I think, you know, given his pedigree, uh, as a recruit, 
And given how he looked in that bowl game against a, a, a solid, tough Iowa defense, uh, you know, he wasn't phenomenal. He didn't light the world on fire. He was 12 of 19 for 151 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, uh, 7.9 yards per attempt. Looked a little lost at times, you know, not not the quickest processing at times, but it was his first game action. And he made some really nice throws. He also had three rushing touchdowns, which really helps there as well. Um, but, you know, Joe Milton this past year, he finishes a QB 31 and he was terrible. So I, I, I don't see Nico having a worse fantasy performance than that. And in that Josh Heupel up-tempo offense, I think he has a much higher ceiling. So I think we could see him at the ceiling, you know, around maybe QB 10-ish. And I think his floor is what we just saw out of Milton, which would be QB 31. Um, I, and I think he could even have uh, his floor is probably a little bit higher than that. And then, you know, he has some Debbie value there as well. It would give you an extra year to potentially get out from him if you decided that you, you weren't a big fan of his game for the Debbie purposes. But at the top of the rankings there, you're going to be getting some CFF production. You're going to be getting some... Uh, Debbie value as well. So that's why he checks in at number two. I have Jackson Arnold checking in at number three, um, at quarterback at Oklahoma. Now his bowl game was a little shaky. He started off very rough. He ended the game with still three interceptions, uh, but he did bounce back. He settled in um, and he looked, looked solid there towards the end of the game. Um, it was really encouraging to see him overcome those early mistakes. I think that was big as well. He threw 361 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 8.0 yards per attempt, which is nice. A little bit on the ground, 38 rush yards. Um, I still think he's probably, I always thought of him as like a King Klubnik plus type player uh, where he's like a better athlete than Klubnik and he's going to bring you more on the ground. I think he's offers a little bit more off script as well and out of the pocket. Um, but in terms of, you know, stature, arm strength, not particularly his best traits. Um, so we'll, we'll see how he ends up uh, doing this in a full year of game action next year at Oklahoma in the sec. Um, but I would still expect some some good production uh, out of him on the college side. Now, you're not going to get Dylan Gabriel from this past year, finishes QB2. Um, one, it's his first year starting as an offense. It'd be kind of ridiculous to expect that level of production from a first-year starter. But also, you know, Jeff Lebby's gone. He's at Mississippi State now as the head coach. They did promote Seth Luttrell from everything that I've been able to see um, is the permanent offensive coordinator. I know he was for the bowl game. Um, but it's, he wasn't, Seth Luttrell wasn't overly inspiring during his time at North Texas, uh, as the head coach from 2016 to 2022, but he does play with a little bit of tempo, um, plays per game, uh, were just over 70. Uh, it was like 70.7 over his seven year average, uh, which would have been top, uh, 15 this past year in plays per game. So that's pretty solid throws it an above average neutral game script pass rate. So as far as offensive coordinator hires, you could definitely do a lot worse. So I think he'll still be productive. You have him for a couple of years. That's always nice on that side of things as well. Um, and then the QB4 for me is Arch Manning right now. And we have not seen him. I don't, ex we might not even see him at all next year either uh, with the Quinn Ewers possibly returning. A lot of rumors around that. But that also kicks the can down the road again for another year uh, to see if 
you know, to, to at least maintain some value there. But I think Arch Manning with the name pedigree, uh, they're bringing in weapons, continuing to bring in weapons at, at Texas. You know, we're a little worried that Xavier Worthy is going to be gone and Jatavian Sanders is going to be gone, potentially Adonai Mitchell as well. But they're replacing him with some good options there. They'll have Jonte Cook. They bring in Matthew Golden from the transfer portal, wide receiver from Houston. Um, they brought in uh, Ryan Wingo uh, at uh, as a freshman recruit. And uh, there's another recruit that I can't remember that they brought in as well that was pretty solid. But they're, they're keeping the cover stocked for him weapons-wise. They have a good run game. They're going to have C.J. Baxter, Jadon Blue, depending on if he stays. Um, so good weapons for when Arch does take over, if it's next year, if it's the year after, uh, he, right now he's just kind of the mystery box. You know, I liked him as a prospect. I had him as my QB three ahead of Arnold and Nico, but you are going to get the production from those two this year, which gives them a little bit of a head, a leg up on Arch and my QB five uh this is gonna raise some eyebrows probably and austin might call this egregious i expect to fully hear a message from him later but my qb5 is jackson dart i'm i'm back in not that i was ever fully out on dart but i did lower him a little bit but uh, he's he's qb5 for me right now uh, especially in c2c leagues camps the can't leagues where you get the college production he was qb22 this past year um and he looked good he looked a lot better than he did um, the year before, you got a full year uh, as a starter looking good pretty much all year. Uh, 3,300 passing yards, 9.4 yards per attempt, 65% completion percentage. Both of those are pretty solid numbers. Very, you know, you like to see yards per attempt over 10, but 9.4 is good. Um, it's nothing to, you know, nothing to, to sneeze at. And then he also had eight rushing touchdowns on the ground, uh, 389 rush yards. So he does bring a nice element with his legs. So you're getting that CFF production. Um, but I think Jackson Dart also took a step forward as a passer this year. He limited his turnovers, five interceptions this year compared to 11 last year. Uh, and he was making some high-level throws in that bowl game against Penn State, which was very frustrating uh, as a Jackson Dart truther and a Penn State fan. I was very conflicted. Um, Penn State was missing their two top corners, so we take that with a grain of salt, but they still have some decent young corners there, uh, and Jackson Dart made some excellent back shoulder throws that didn't matter who the corner was going to be, it would have been really difficult for any anybody to make that play. Uh, so he made some really nice throws, some nice NFL caliber throws. I think he took a step forward uh, as a player this year, and if he can continue to take another step forward next year, I think we could hear his name floated around in first round uh, conversations. I think that's going to be something you're going to start to hear this coming off season. Cause he's definitely confirmed back for 2024. He said, so after the bowl game. Um, so we, I think this is going to be an off season where the people are going to start hyping him up. Uh, we'll see how he ends up shaking out in his senior year with Lane Kiffin again, but I am, I'm encouraged with dart got him as my QB five. Uh, QB six uh, is Carson Beck, quarterback at Georgia. Uh, he looked solid this year as well. Very, very good completion percentage, 72.4, which I think was an SEC record, or if it wasn't, it was very close. Uh, 3,900 pass yards, 9.5 yards per attempt, so good on that front as well. Um, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, solid year for him overall. QB 36 in terms of fantasy, um, 20.4 
fantasy points per game. So you get a little bit of production from him on that side. You can start him in some weeks, but I think he's the the classic um, quarterback who just checks a lot of boxes. He's not really going to wow you, but he's going to take what the defense gives him. He can make some nice throws. He can throw with anticipation. I think the NFL is going to like him. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a first round guy, maybe, um, but I, I don't see him falling outside of like the second round. I don't definitely don't see him falling outside of day two when he does declare. Uh, it does sound like he's going to be back for 2024 as well. Um, so Dart and Beck could be two of your top guys for 2024. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, and then my next QB here, QB seven, Quinn Ewers. Still have him up here. Um, he's been pretty much up and down all year. I'm watching the uh, Texas versus Washington game right now, the semifinal. Um, he's kind of been up and down in this one as well, and that's really the story of Ewers. It sounds like he's coming back for another year. I think it would be good for him to come back for another year uh, and then join Dart and Beck um, and potentially whoever else in the class of 2025 quarterbacks where there's not really anybody who's solidified uh, as one of the top guys. So Ewers probably not going to provide you a ton of fantasy production. He finishes QB 44 this past year, 19.8 fantasy points per game. Um, now he did throw for over 70% completion percentage, which is nice to see nine uh, on the yards per attempt, which is okay. Um, it's, it's, it's decent there. You know, like I said, you typically want to see closer to 10, but nine, not bad at all. Uh, he had five rushing touchdowns on the year, which definitely helped. So, you know, Ewers, there'll be some spot starts so you could play him next year. Um, but overall, you're kind of looking more at the Debbie value and that kind of bounces up and down. But I said, I, there's not really like a clear cut QB one for next year. So Beck, Dart, Ewers, maybe JJ McCarthy becomes back. We'll see. Um, but those are kind of the, the leading candidates next year. Maybe Shador, um, although I think that Colorado offense is going to take a step back. Um, they were throwing at just an absurd rate this past year with Sean Lewis. And I think that's going to change under Pat Shermer at the offensive coordinator position next year. They, they weren't really that great towards the end of the year. Uh, I know they did have some other injuries. Shador was a little banged up, but I don't think you're going to see the same CFF production out of Shador that you saw at the beginning of the year with Sean Lewis. Um, and I'm still not really sure how I feel about him as a Debbie asset. I mean, I think, he does some things well, um, but he also hasn't really been asked to do anything at a high level yet. Um, not really too many NFL reads, not many too, too many NFL throws on tape. I mean, there's some there, but uh, not really asked to do that a lot in the past offense he was in. Maybe Shermer puts a little bit more NFL spin on it, given his background, but um, Shador does not crack my top 10. So uh, just kind of got off on a tangent there, but I, he could potentially be somebody in the uh, in, in the first round conversation for next year at quarterbacks, but I'm not there for him, and I don't think the CFF production is going to be there. So that's why he's not in my top 10. But rounding out my top 10 here, uh, I have Malachi Nelson, uh, who is in the portal. We don't know where he's going to go. I, I dropped him to eighth, um, but... I, I don't I can't really drop him too much further than that because we haven't seen him and I liked him a lot as a prospect. So, you know, there's some writing on the wall that maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. But I think until until we see it, I think it's hard to hard to knock him too much because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. So we also need to see where he ends up. 
Uh, there's a little bit of you know rumbling and a little bit of smoke of him to Miami now at this point with uh, Miami missing on Cam Ward, who is going to the NFL, and DJU, uh, who's going to Florida State. So we, you know, we maybe he ends up there. I wouldn't love that as a landing spot, um, but we'll we'll see where he where Nelson ends up. Um, but he is still my QB eight for now. Um, QB nine, Dante Moore. He's at Oregon, so we're probably not going to see him at all this year, which makes him a fairly safe uh, investment value wise. I also I think he's a better player than Austin Novasad. So I think if it comes down to a battle next year in 2025 then Moore would win that. Uh, I think Moore could be very productive in that Will Stein offense, assuming Will Stein is still there two years from now. It's hard to say with all of these you know, players moving and coaches moving and everything like that. But uh, if he can stick it at Oregon, I think that would be a boon for his value. But he's more of a, in a holding pattern right now, which is why he's hanging out at nine. Uh, and then QB 10 for me right now is Drew Alar. He finished the year as QB 49 for fantasy purposes. Um, some very up and down performances uh, from him. And that bowl game uh, was kind of more of the same. You know, he he struggled uh, at times and uh, most of the time. And the receivers struggled to get open as well. And, you know, whose fault is it? Is Drew's fault? Is it the play calling? Is it the receivers? It's hard to say, but whatever the reason is, Drew had a bad year this year. No two ways about it. 59.9% completion percentage. Uh, 6.8 yards per attempt. He took care of the ball with only two interceptions, but he was too cautious with it. We want to see him rip a little bit more. Maybe Andy Kotelnicki can bring out a little bit more out of him and, and help the run game complement the pass game a little more. Maybe they can get some receivers in there. And, you know, maybe in year two as a starter, Drew Allard just takes a step forward. I wouldn't rule any of those things out, but he still has the tools there, which kind of keeps him at my QB 10. But also, just the fact that there's nobody else that I really want to put ahead of him right now um, is what puts him at 10. And now when I do bring in freshmen, that will bump um, Drew out of the top 10. And one of Nelson and Moore, I haven't really decided yet. I kind of go back and forth on those two. Uh, but because Dylan Rayola and DJ Lagway will both um, likely be top 10 guys for me. Rayola for sure. Rayola probably would slot in in the Arch Manning range for me. Manning and Dart somewhere around five-ish. Um, I still have to finalize some freshman grades, but that's probably about where Rayola would look to slot in. And then DJ Lagway um, probably would slot him in around Nelson and Moore. Uh, you were somewhere in that bunch. I mean, Lagway will retain value better because I don't think we'll see him at all. So if you're playing C2C leagues and you dr you're drafting and you're looking at these quarterbacks in the microcosm of value, you know, you'll, you'll want to bump DJ Moore or DJ Lagway up higher. Uh, if you're looking at them just strictly in terms of prospects, who you think is going to be an NFL guy um, and what their production is going to be. And, and, you know, you're not necessarily looking at strictly what the value in the market's going to say on Lagway. He might be a little lower for you, which is probably where I'm at. So that's probably why I'd slot him in around Nelson and Moore. Uh, but risers for me at the QB position, uh, there's three, three main ones. First one is Lenora Sellers. And I'm, not sure if there's been a bigger winner um, in the transfer portal cycle in terms of quarterbacks who are still at the school and didn't leave and go somewhere else than Lenora Sellers. South Carolina has been connected to any and every quarterback who has put their name in the portal, and they've not brought in anybody. 
They have not brought in any of these big names. I think now at this point, there's not really anybody left that's going to scare you. I mean, maybe maybe Will Howard, but it sounds like he's, um, you know, either leaning to the NFL draft or USC, Miami, Auburn. Like they could all still be in the mix there, but I don't really hear South Carolina floated around. And that's the last quarterback that I think would scare you. The rest of the guys, I think now the sellers could definitely compete with. But it seems like more likely at this at this point in time, South Carolina is going to bring in a veteran backup, um, somebody who, can, you know, because their only other quarterback on the roster is a converted quarterback to wide receiver, back to quarterback um, in Luke Doty. So, you know, they don't they don't have anybody else. They need somebody. And I think sellers at this point can beat out whoever they bring in. Um, I like sellers a lot. And then he brings uh, good value with his legs, good production with his legs, which should help him in CFF leagues for you. So Lenora Sellers is my QB 14 right now. Um, only not going to put him any higher because we haven't really seen that much of him. Um, and we, you know, we got to see a little bit bigger of a sample size before I'm going to put him up too much higher. Uh, but in very small sample size, he looked good. So QB 14, Lenora Sellers, riser for me. Another riser is same class uh, is Avery Johnson, uh, quarterback at Kansas State. He's my QB 21 right now. And, you know, with Will Howard out of town, uh, Avery Johnson's going to be the guy there. He's going to be the quarterback. And he had a nice bowl game, um, 28.2 fantasy points. So you like to see that on the fantasy points side of things. 71 yards, rushing touchdown. He had two passing touchdowns. 178 yards passing. Now he still has a long way to go as a passer. 45.2% completion percentage in that bowl game really underscores that. Uh, most of his value this past year came from his legs. We had 296 yards rushing and seven touchdowns. It's where most of his value is going to come uh, from at now as well. But you're going to get a couple years of him in college. Uh, and, you know, can he take a step forward as a passer? We'll see. That's kind of what's holding him around my QB 21 right now is I don't know what I think of him for Debbie purposes. Um, you know, I, he's just, he's not there as a passer. So I don't see him having much of an NFL future at this point, but everybody can develop. We'll see how that sh shakes out with a year of starting, but Avery Johnson just sheerly due to the legs and the fantasy value is a riser QB 21. And then the last riser for me is Noah Fafita quarterback at Arizona. He was QB 23. Uh, for me right now, he had 16.6 fantasy points per game, which seems a little low. Now, there were some games in there where he didn't play the whole thing. You know, he split a little bit with Jaden Delara, but um, most of his value as a CFF asset comes from the scheme and from passing. He's five games over 300 yards passing this year. Uh, so very good on that front, but he doesn't really bring anything with his legs, uh, which which hurts a little bit. And he is smaller. Uh, I think he's listed about 5'10", 5 5'11". 5 he's a little on the smaller side um, in terms of NFL production now he or NFL future. Now, he made some nice throws in that bowl game against Oklahoma. So we'll see how uh, he progresses again next year. But I think I have him mostly as a CFF asset right now. But there's a little bit of Debbie potential, which keeps him at the QB 23 for me. Uh, moving into the running back position for Campus to Canton Leagues, my top 10. Uh, I start off with C.J. Baxter, uh, running back at Texas as my RB1. And if you're watching or watched the 
uh, Washington versus Texas game. You know, he looked he looked good. Uh, he had a nice catch. Uh, he looked explosive. And I think he's going to be the lead back at Texas next year. I mean, Jaden Blue is getting mixed in uh, and has been since Jonathan Brooks went down. Um, Blue could be just is good enough to be a thorn in Baxter's side. I'm really hoping Blue transfers out, but I'm not thinking we're going to see that at this point, given the way that this uh, this backfield split has been going. Blue uh, might think he could he could win that, which would would hurt Baxter a little bit because then you know you might not get that uh, Jonathan Brooks level production that we saw from Brooks this year, and you know being fantasy relevant and and the, what we're used to out of Steve Sarkeesian running backs. We might not get the whole thing for C.J. Baxter if Blue stays, but I think we're still going to be very productive. He's still going to be a startable, starting caliber player for you in CFF. And then I think he's got the NFL traits. You know, he looks much. He looks solid as a pass catcher. Um, not a huge sample size of that, but looked pretty, pretty good in, in in spurts, especially in that game against Washington. You know, he he is explosive. Uh, he runs with some decent power. I think I'd like to see him run with a little bit more power behind his pads, but good contact balance at the very least. Um, and I, I think that Baxter represents maybe the maybe the only guy that I could see being a, a first-round running back um, in the NFL draft at some point. I don't see it at this point, which, is, again, is why I don't have any Tier 1 running backs. But if anybody's going to do it, I think it'll probably be Baxter. Um, he's got other years to do it as well, which helps. Uh, number two, we got Quinshawn Judkins put up another very solid year this year after a little bit of a slow start, a little banged up to start the year, but finishes the year very strong. Um, looking like he's going to have another uh, year on tap next year of being a CFF asset um, and, and a fairly high level one as well. And then, you know, when he goes off to the NFL, be it next year, be it two years from now, um, I think he's going to be a guy that the NFL is going to like, and I I don't see him going outside of day day two. I, I just I think he's about as close to a day two lock as you can possibly get. So that coupled with the CFF production that we've come to know and love from Judkins keeps him at my RB two. Travion is my RB three, and there's rumblings that he's going to come back. So we'll have to see whether he decides to come out, whether he decides to come back. But he had a bounce back year this year, 926 yards on the ground, 11 touchdowns, uh, 19 catches, 229 yards receiving. So he got a little bit of work there. I still think he can do more as a receiver. Um, but he had a nice bounce back year to end the year this year, which is why I think it would be smart of him to come out this year because the running back class is abysmal this year. But if he does come back, that Ohio State passing attack looked terrible in the bowl game. I know Devin Brown got hurt. Um, a fairly early on, but he didn't look great before he got hurt. Um, but if they can't bring in another quarterback here, then uh, this could be the Travion Henderson show next year. And, you know, Dallin Hayden could mix in and, and, you know, James Peoples, they're bringing in as a freshman, but I think they could lean more on the running game than we're used to seeing next year, depending on how their quarterback uh, position shapes up. So if Trevion does come back, expect some nice fantasy production. If he goes, I would expect him to be probably the first running back off the board in this class. So that keeps him as my RB3 right now. I got Nick Singleton as my RB4. Um, he looked solid in that bowl game uh, against Ole Miss. Eight carries, 50 yards, four catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown uh, through the air as well. So, you know, still 
kind of showing some of the lack of patience that we're seeing, but we saw the explosiveness uh, from him. Um, so I, I think that, you know, with Andy Kotelnicki coming in as the offensive coordinator uh, and his history with the running, with, you know, very productive running games in his time at Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, with, his, with Lance Leipold, with his time in Buffalo with Lance Leipold and his time at Kansas. So I think the scheme that he's going to bring in, hopefully he's very creative, but it should be a little bit more run focused. And I think that's going to serve to benefit Singleton and Katron Allen, um, who does check in as my RB eight. So I think that's going to help both of them out and Kotelnicki and that Leipold system does have a, uh, strong history of splitting back, splitting backfield work. Now, when they had a guy like Jared Patterson, they kind of rode him into the ground. But yeah, I think that Singleton and, and Katron Allen will continue to split next year, which will kind of keep things frustrating. But I still like both of those guys for um, Debbie purposes. I think both of those guys are, are looking at like, you know, some day two draft capital. I know, I know. Laugh it up. Colin said day two draft capital and running backs, but. I think both of those guys would be on pace for that for when they declare at this point. Uh, next up for me, my RB5 is Devin Neal from Kansas. Uh, he is coming back from everything that I've seen so far. Uh, pretty sure I saw him announce that he is coming back. Now, obviously, deadline to declare has not passed yet, so people could still change their mind. But Devin Neal coming back. They are losing Anthony Andy Kotelnicki, like I mentioned uh, when I was talking about Singleton and Allen. But they still have Lance Leipold. That should be still a productive uh, system for running backs. You know, the problem is going to be the split uh, usage that I mentioned when I was talking about Singleton and, and uh, Allen and the history that he has there. But, um, you know, I still think Devin Neal can can be pretty good for, for CFF purposes. He finishes the RB13 this past year, you know, and then I think that that's within his range of outcomes again. You know, Daniel Hyshaw was hurt a little bit this year, but I still think Devin Neal's a much better player. So hopefully they continue to feed him a little bit more. Um, and, you know, Neal can turn in another borderline RB1, high-end RB2 for CFF Fantasy. Uh, and then we'll have to see what the NFL thinks of him. I've heard no buzz about him from anybody without NFL, like, scouting connections or anything like that. But... I mean, we all in the fantasy community really like him. I really like him. We really like him a lot over at C2C. I think he, if he did come out this year, he would be the second best back in the class behind Braylon Allen at this point. But he's not out. So you'll come back, you'll get some CFF value, and hopefully get a little bit of NFL value as well. Uh, RB6 for me is Raheem Sanders. Running back now at South Carolina. And this is still a lot based on projections because, I mean, he was still battled injuries this past year. He had such a, a bad year overall, battled injuries, only played six games. But even in the games he did play, he did not look like himself from 2022. He looked sluggish and slow. He was up to 242 pounds this year, according to Arkansas's website, where last year he was at 227 pounds. So he really needs to lose that weight. And then hopefully he can get back to what we saw in 2022, you know, where he looked a little bit more comfortable running between the tackles um, compared to where he was as a freshman. He shows off his quick feet. He's nimble with for, especially for his size. He's kind of, um, you know, and we, we all know how good he can be as a pass catcher. He forced 65 
missed tackles in 2022, second in the SEC. If he can get back to that type of a player, then I still think he can. Uh, he'd be a guy that the NFL would like, uh, and I think he could do that at South Carolina. You know, they're bringing in a lot of running backs. They're bringing in a lot of players in the portal, but I, I think Raheem Sanders can can be good there at South Carolina. I think he could rehab his stock, hopefully uh, lose some weight and, and get back to where he was before. But I haven't given up on Raheem Sanders. Again, a lot of a lot of question marks at the running back position right now, but he's still in my RB six. Katron Ch- Allen is my RB7, like I mentioned. Um, Trevor Etienne is, is my RB8 here. And um, with him going to Georgia, he's probably going to be in a rotation, but he's going to have more eyes on him, uh, and it should keep him fresher. Big question is, is Kendall Milton going to come back? So is, that would make it Milton and Etienne and uh, Roger Robinson, uh, or is it going to be like Etienne and Robinson? Um, I think that's the biggest worry with ETN, but I still think the NFL is going to like um, what he brings to the table and what he did was able to do at Florida. Uh, so I, I have him in my top 10. Uh, and then my last two are Alabama running backs, Jace McClellan and Justice Haynes. Now, J- Jace McClellan just had a nice game against Michigan, uh, 14 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Um, solid year overall, 803 yards, six touchdowns, 126 yards receiving. Um, but I don't know if he's coming out. We don't know if he's coming, going back. Um, he has not said anything yet. I kind of hope he comes out because this is a weak class and I could still see him being a day two guy. Um, given the, he's the guy at Alabama, he's athletic, he can catch some passes. So I'm hoping that he comes out, but if he doesn't, he comes back. Um, I, I would still Keep him in just at the back end of the top 10 for me. And then Justice Haynes is the other guy there. Uh, he was the second back in in that game against Michigan. Only four carries, but he had 31 yards. Um, it seems like he has jumped Jam Miller on the depth chart. Uh, so Justice Haynes, if McClellan goes, Haynes seems like he'll be the lead back there. If he doesn't, I do still expect Haynes to um, you know, siphon off some work next year because he's just too talented to to ignore so the alabama duo rounding out the back end of my top 10 uh, it's not looking like any freshman running backs are going to crack my top 10 at this point it's a little bit of a weaker class for freshmen as well which makes it a little tougher uh, a couple of guys that are risers for me um first one up is amari and hampton uh running back at north carolina and he's he was just too low for me honestly um he finished the year as the RB6 fantasy, 22.7 fantasy points per game. Uh, he is my RB12 right now. Um, I think he is a power back, um, but he lacks juice. I don't think he has the athleticism and the speed to really be a, a difference maker for you at the NFL level. Most of these running backs nowadays uh, are just kind of replacement parts. It's just take one guy out, put another guy in and the offense functions mostly the same. And I think Amari and Hampton, you know, if he's the guy who is getting the carries in the NFL offense, I think you're going to see some decent production out of him. Um, But he's not a guy that I think is a difference maker at the position. And that's kind of what is going to make it tough for him at the NFL level. Uh, He's kind of a plotter 
decent receiver, not much of receiving chops there. Um, Chris Rodriguez is in his list of athletic comps, the running back formerly of Kentucky now at Washington. So, you know, I think that's decently accurate there. So Chris Rodriguez, Maureen Hampton, not, not too bad in that comps list. Um, but if, if you're kind of looking for an idea of what you could potentially expect at the NFL level, maybe a Brian Robinson Jr. in there, same you know team for Washington, but somewhere in that range. Uh, but next year for, for CFF purposes, I think you're going to have a, a, a stud. Um, 253 carries this year, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, he had 29 catches for 222 yards, so mostly dump-off stuff. He had a receiving touchdown, but he had 600-yard games in a row uh, on the ground. So you're looking at a potential CFF stud with you know a little bit of NFL future there as well. So that's kind of what checks him in as my RB12 right now, which may be a little high. Maybe I'll drop that a little bit, but um, he definitely deserves a big bump uh, and a little bit more respect out of me. You know, Shout out to Felix, who was a Marion Hampton guy from the beginning. Austin, who made him a my guy in the Debbie guide, just so that way he would get a little bit of love. Um, next up for me, Jordan James, running back at Oregon. Checks in as my RB23. Um, James averaged 7.1 yards per carry this year, which was, I know yards per carry is kind of a flawed stat, but it's still good. Uh, better to have a, a high yards per carry than a low yards per carry. Uh, I don't think that it was anything groundbreaking, but 7.1 yards per carry, pretty good. 11 touchdowns. He was the goal line back this, this year. Um, he was the guy they trusted around the goal line, uh, even with Bucky Irving there. Um, and he had 15 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. So not not a bad showing while splitting work with Bucky Irving, who finished as the RB20 in fantasy. Um, it's a 19.7 fantasy points per game. So with Bucky presumably gone, uh, Jordan James should step in and be pretty much the guy right off the jump. And I think given his goal line usage, given the usage we saw out of Bucky Irving this past year, I think we're looking at an RB two for fantasy purposes for CFF, you know, maybe a little closer to the back end, um, like where Bucky was, you know, maybe he ends up in then like the RB 20 to 25 range, but I think you're going to get some production out of him. And then, you know, I think he's got an NFL future as well. Now he's not what you would, would consider an athletic running back, but he's not a plotter either. I think he's a little more athletic than, than a Marion Hampton for reference. Um, but you know, he's, he's got, he's a tough runner, breaks tackles, good contact balance. I, I like his footwork. So I think there could be an NFL future there as well to go along with that CFF production. So Jordan James is, is another riser for me. Uh, and then the last one is Diamante Tranum, Chip Tranum, uh, running back now at Kentucky, formerly of Ohio state and formerly of Arizona state. Uh, he checks in as my RB 28, uh, Ray Davis, Raymond Davis, off to the NFL. He accepted his senior bowl invite now, uh, not going to the Shrine Bowl, going to the senior bowl. He was the RB5 this past year, 22.7 fantasy points per game. I think Ray Davis probably looking, uh, if assuming the medicals check out, I think he'll end up uh, being like a, a third round pick. Um, Diamante Trainum probably checks in and does some you know, very similar production as that Ray Davis did this past year. I mean, RB five, probably a little high, but I would expect him to finish as, a, as an RB one, just on volume alone. And Chip Trainum has shown he's a good running back. You know, Ohio State trusted him. Uh, he was good, and he split time with Rashad White at Arizona State, uh, which I think is encouraging. 
So, you know, solid running back. I think we could see a potential NFL future here. Uh, he lacks long speed for sure, um, but he's, he's pretty nimble. Um, so, you know, Samaj P. Uh, P Ryan is in his list of athletic comps, and you know, maybe we see a similar career to that at the NFL level. Uh, I think we'd be pretty happy with that. Um, wide receivers, we got top 10. Like I said, I have two tier one guys in Luther Burden, uh, who finished this past year as the wide receiver 10 in CFF with 21.5 fantasy points per game, which gives him the edge in C2C leagues over Evan Stewart for me and the production that you're going to get from Burden. Um, we'll get into it with the Devi rankings a little bit later, but Luther Burden at one, I think you can expect more or less the same that you just saw from him this past year. Uh, Brady Cook will be back with that offense, so I don't expect too much to change there. You got Evan Stewart checking in at number two. Be very interested to see uh, where he ends up and what kind of CFF production we can expect out of him. But wherever he ends up, I think he's going to uh, be a guy that the NFL likes. I see a first-round wide receiver here. Um, so next up then at, at, at number three, we have Carnell Tate. Uh, wide receiver at Ohio State. And with Marvin Harrison Jr. gone, I think Carnell Tate steps in there and and pres presumably could be the wide receiver one for Ohio State next year for you know whatever that's worth, whatever their quarterback situation ends up looking like. Uh, if Emeka Egbuka comes back, I think that you know it would be Egbuka and Tate. Uh, but either way, Tate should have a prominent role in that Ohio State offense, and, and he showed out well as a freshman this year. So very encouraging signs from Tate. Puts him as my wide receiver three. Um, Tet McMillan, Arizona wide receiver, checks in as my wide receiver four. Uh, and another guy that I wasn't, um, I, I didn't show enough respect to early on in the process. Um, I was a little too low on him, um, but he's been very good at Arizona. Finished this past year as a wide receiver nine, 22.5 fantasy points per game. Jacob Cowling is going to be gone, but basically every other key part of that offense, quarterback, um, and coordinator uh, are coming back. So I would expect Tet McMillan to be able to repeat that wide receiver nine performance. You know, I would look for him to be uh, a high end CFF wide receiver. And then I think he has shown enough that the NFL is going to like him. You know, is he going to be a first round guy? I don't know. Um, but early second round, I think would be his floor at this point. I, I see him being like a top 40 uh, pick in the NFL draft when when he does come out so that combined with cff production uh feels pretty safe to keep him at the wide receiver four uh wide receiver five zachariah branch uh he had a great year this year broke all of the year one zero thresholds all eight of them he didn't do anything in the bowl game though which was a little bit concerning um but you know still had a very good year i still think he's a dynamic player i look for him to have a nice year next year as well um, and then I think he's another guy that I think the NFL will like. I see him being on the, you know, potentially a first round wide receiver. Um, so Zachariah Branch checking in at wide receiver five. Uh, the next two are Texas wide receivers, John Tay Cook and Matthew Golden. Um, I am like, I'm still operating in the assumption that Worthy and Adonai Mitchell are going to go. Uh, and then Cook and Golden should be the top two guys there um this year and aaron butler that was the other receiver that they uh texas brought in what i was trying to think of before uh, aaron butler athlete slash wide receiver formerly committed to colorado 
is going to Texas. But Jonte Cook, Matthew Golden should be the two top guys at Texas in that offense. I like both of their skill sets. Jonte Cook just a little bit more, which gives him that bump there. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. But I like both of those two guys. Uh, next up is my wide receiver eight, and that's Isaiah Bond, uh, wide receiver at Alabama. Um, look, he had, um, you know, he had, he had a solid year this year. You know, the, the Alabama struggled a little bit passing the ball. He only caught 44 to 73 targets, but I don't put a lot of that on him, to be honest. Um, and he had 621 yards, four touchdowns. He looked solid against um, Michigan again. He was the leading wide receiver in that game. So I think he's going to be the leading wide receiver next year for Alabama. You know, I'm assuming Jermaine Burton is gone. So maybe we get a little bit more CFF production for him from him. But he is so fast. He's so dangerous downfield. Uh, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands after, you know, he catches the ball too. But, you know, he can really take the top off of a defense. And that's a, a skill set that I think he's going to be able to hang his hat on at the NFL level. So that keeps him in my top 10. Um, but like I said, you start to at the wide receiver position after the top couple, it gets a little bit shaky because of how many guys are leaving. So does Isaiah Bond deserve to be at a top 10 wide receiver? I don't know. Um, and he may end up not actually finishing there for me, which I'll get to in just a second. But my last two guys in my top 10 wide receivers, uh, Makai Lemon and Deuce Robinson, both wide receivers at USC. So I do have three wide receivers in my uh, USC wide receivers in my top 10 and Zachariah Branch from Kyle Lemon and Deuce Robinson. But I think all three of them are, are very good receivers. You know, Malachi, uh, Makai Lemon got some run in the bowl game, um, caught two passes, uh, I think it's for 24 or 42 yards. Um, so looked okay. You know, we got a little bit of work and I expect him to, you know, take another step forward next year hopefully with guys like Taj Washington gone Brendan Rice was going to be gone I'm not sure what Dorian Singer is going to do but Lemon looked to have jumped him same with Deuce Robinson Deuce Robinson had a nice touchdown in the bowl game I uh, caught a long bomb which kind of makes up for the one that he dropped a little earlier in the year um, but I think all three of these guys are very good wide receivers they all complement each other in different ways so they could potentially all um, see the field at the same time uh, next year I, I think that would be a very good wide receiver trio now when's the last time we saw a wide receiver trio all succeed and do well at the nfl level it's it's, it's been a while i mean not even the uh the bama guys ha have really done that and um devonta smith judy waddle rugs like that group you know rugs is what he is judy hasn't really been successful and like the way we thought he is but you know we, we've seen wide receiver rooms pump out three wide receivers before it's rare but these guys are all three very talented so they all do make my top 10 as of right now now when i put freshmen in my rankings we'll see how things end up shaking out i'm still like i said still finalizing some grades but at this time i do think um jeremiah smith wide receiver going to ohio state micah hudson wide receiver going to texas tech uh, are both pretty locked in going to be my top 10 they're probably going to check in around wide receiver five six uh whether they slot above below jonte cook um not 100 sure yet i i think smith will probably check check in ahead of cook and hudson maybe just behind him but both of those guys are going to be top 10 and then cam coleman the wide receiver for auburn uh is is a maybe for me 
he's like I said finalizing some stuff, but if he does end up in the in the top ten, it'd be right around uh, Mikhail Lemon and Deuce Robinson right there at the bottom. You know, maybe he ends up um, below below my next guy, who I'll, I'll talk about here is a second as a riser for me. But you know, he'll check in right around the back half of the top ten, maybe into you know wide receiver 11, 12 range. Cam Coleman um, at Auburn for that one. Uh, risers at the wide receiver position. Um, first up uh, is Travis Hunter. Uh, he is my wide receiver 11 now. And, you know, Xavier Weaver is going to be gone. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Horn Jr. is gone as well, which leaves Hunter is really like the only guy back. Now, they are bringing in Will Shepard. They're bringing in Cordell Russell. They always bring in um, wide receivers through the portal. But um, Hunter looks good the, this past year. He finished the year as the wide receiver 28, um, 17 point five fantasy points per game wide receiver 28 in a points per game basis because he did only play nine games um but he had 57 catches 721 yards five touchdowns and you know he showed that he can play both ways and be productive the cff level but i think one of my bigger takeaways this year and it's something that um mike valerie has said a, a couple times is that hunter's kind of soft as a corner and gets bodied a lot um which may make his future at the NFL level at wide receiver. I think he could be do both at a high level, but the fact that he's soft as a, as a corner and that defense and offenses in the NFL will be able to exploit him by being physical. I think it might make it tough for him to uh, be more successful at, at corner than receiver at the NFL level. So I'm leaning a little bit more towards Travis Hunter being a wide receiver puts him at my wide receiver 11 still definitely some risk there if he does end up playing corner but um he's he's a riser for me um next riser jeremy bernard uh wide receiver at washington he checks in as my wide receiver 13 um now we'll see what the wide receiver trio at washington ends up doing in in roma dunze polk uh, jalen polk and uh, jalen mcmillan dunze i'm assuming is gone um, Polk and McMillan, I could see potentially coming back, um, or maybe neither of them do, but Jeremy Bernard was the fourth leading wide receiver this year, uh, on an offense that had two 1000 yard receivers in Adunze and Polk. And then McMillan got hurt throughout the year, or he could have potentially been up there as well. Um, so this is a very good offense. It's definitely going to take a step forward or step back next year without Penix subbing in Will Rogers, but I still think they can be very productive. And if Jeremy Bernard ends up being that wide receiver one, then, you know, he's, he's a guy you're going to want for fantasy purposes. Uh, and I think he's got a, a, an NFL future as well. He's got strong hands. He's got good athleticism. He's got good. He's a good yak wide receiver. He can break some tackles. So I think he has an NFL future. Um, so Jeremy Bernard checking in as my wide receiver 13 uh, as of right now. And against, you know, if, if Egbuka comes back or, um, you know, some other guys come back, they might slot in ahead of him. They would probably slot in ahead of him. But as of right now, with guys that I'm assuming are gone in the 2024 class, Jeremy Bernard checking in at wide receiver 13. And then last up at the wide receiver position, uh, Gary Bryant Jr., wide receiver at Oregon, formerly of USC, was a guy that Austin and I were both uh, pretty big fans of as a freshman. And then just kind of got jumped on the depth chart at, at USC when Lincoln Riley came in. Um, so Gary Bryant Jr. leaves, and he found some success this year at, at Oregon. Um, 26 catches, 380 yards, three touchdowns. 
Um, in the bowl game, he had four catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. So that's encouraging there as well. Um, Troy Franklin is going to be gone. Um, he's going to go off to the NFL. He finished this year as the wide receiver five, 24.8 fantasy points per game. And then Tez Johnson um, finished the year as wide receiver 26, 18.7 fantasy points per game. Um, Tez Johnson could come he, back. He could go to the NFL. It's hard to say, but if Gary, if they both go, I mean, that's two, you know, top wide receivers. This offense isn't going to skip a beat with Gabriel at quarterback, I don't think, or maybe take a tiny step back, but it should be very good next year. They're going to need somebody to to fill that wide receiver one role in a Will Stein offense. And my bet would be on Gary Bryant Jr. over Trayshawn Holden. So Gary Bryant Jr. checking in at wide receiver 19, maybe a little aggressive, but uh, if he ends up being the wide receiver one in that offense, you know, he could be very good for CFF purposes and parlay that into, uh, you know, an NFL future. Cause like I said, he, he was decent at USC as well. Uh, so we'll see how that one shakes out, but that is it for my C2C rankings. My Debbie rankings look mostly the same. Um, I have Nico a little bit lower. He drops to my QB six, just cause I'm not hundred percent sure on him as an NFL future at this point. Um, like I said, he didn't really handle pressure all that well, um, in, in the bowl game, you know, still looked a little shaky, uh, in, in that regard. So we'll see how he ends up doing next year, but he drops to my wide receiver, or my QB six. So it goes Connor Wigman, Arch Manning, Jackson Dart, Carson Beck, uh, Quinn Ewers, Nico, uh, and then, uh, man, I, I don't love Jackson Arnold from an NFL perspective, but you know I, I still got to put him um, at seven. And then I have um, Drew Alar and JJ McCarthy and Shador Sanders rounding out the top ten there. Um, so guys that you know, I dropped Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore um, a little bit just behind um, Shador and JJ, and the reason for that is I feel. A little bit more secure that the NFL is going to take JJ and Shador in uh, the second round, uh, at least potentially the first, but at least the second round. Where Malachi Nelson, we haven't seen him at all. He's still a pretty big risk. He's not in that uh, automatic Kayla or uh, Lincoln Riley system that just feeds quarterbacks to the NFL. So that knocks him down a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Dante Moore didn't look that great. At times, made some freshman mistakes. He's going to have to sit for another year. That puts another year of risk on him. So uh, another year, we're not going to see him. So those two dropped just below JJ and um, Shador for me for Devi. But it's kind of moot anyway because Dylan Rayol and DJ Lagway would jump those two at this point. Um, so Dylan Rayola going to Nebraska. DJ Lagway going to Florida would round out my top 10 ahead of J.J. McCarthy and Shador Sanders. Um, but like I said, you know, Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, my QB 11 and 12 right now. Um, that's all pretty fluid, to be honest. I don't feel great about any of these quarterbacks for Debbie. If you are in a Debbie draft, if you're in a Debbie startup or a startup with Debbies for Dynasty, I'm not taking any of these guys that early. And I am pretty much a, one of the more staunch advocates of drafting Debbie quarterbacks early uh, and I'm not 
not touching these guys. I don't trust any of them. Um, and then the last guy that I want to touch on at the quarterback position for Devi purposes is Devin Brown, the quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, he dropped all the way to QB 23 for me. Um, if we start getting some serious positive buzz in spring, he could bounce back a little bit, but didn't love what I saw out of him in the beginning of that bowl game. Don't love that he wasn't able to beat out Kyle McCord either, a guy who just transferred out and didn't. He also didn't look that great this year. So, quarterback position at Ohio State, pretty big question mark. I can't totally give up on Devin Brown because I really I do like the tools a lot. Ohio State obviously can put quarterbacks into the NFL. Maybe Devin Brown turns it around, but he's down at QB twenty three for me right now. Um, Debbie at running backs, it's pretty much the exact same. Um, in the exact same order. Um, CJ Baxter, Quinshawn Judkins, Nick Singleton, Travion Henderson, uh, or I'm sorry, Travion Henderson, Nick Singleton, Devin Neal, Raheem Sanders, Katron Allen, Trevor Etienne, Jace McClellan, and Justice Haynes. But three guys that I do want to highlight as risers for me at the running back position for Debbie purposes. Uh, first one up, Gavin Sawchuck, running back at Oklahoma. Um, Matt, if you're listening to this, Props uh, for identifying Sawchuck and, and staying on him because he he looked pretty solid to close out the year here. You know, he also got up to 195 pounds, according to the depth chart at Oklahoma. So, you know, it only needs about five more pounds to get to like 200, 205. And we're seeing smaller backs be successful at the NFL level um, for fantasy purposes. You know, you got guys like Jameer Gibbs, um, Austin Eckler and um Christian McCaffrey, uh, James Cook, even um, so smaller backs are uh, Tony Pollard. So smaller backs can still be successful at the NFL level for fantasy purposes. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to write off Sawchuck if he can get to that like 200 mark. Uh, he's got solid contact balance for his size as well. Bounces off defenders. I think he looked better running to the, um, you know, inside this year. Still a better rusher to the outside. Still better to get him the edge to where he can use his speed. Um, cause he's also a one cut and go runner, but, uh, Sam, Gavin Sawchuck was a riser for me, uh, RB 27 right now. He might even climb a couple other spots depending on how some things shake out and who ends up declaring and who comes back. Um, next up on the risers for me is TJ Harden, uh, RB 29. Um, he is looking like going to, he's going to be the lead back in chip Kelly's running back next year. Um, uh, backfield. So, you know, Carson Steele off to the NFL and there's not really anybody left in the transfer portal that would scare me that Chip Kelly could bring in that I would be worried about uh, TJ Harden. So I think TJ Harden in line to be the next guy there. Looked the part in the bowl game as well. 20 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns, four catches for 26 yards as well. Um, he had 800 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground this year, 142 yards receiving and a touchdown. So gets a, a little bit of receiving work, mostly check down stuff. Uh, honestly, he looks like a, a less athlete, athletic version of Zach Charbonnet at this point. Um, I know you're you know, a little bit helmet scouting there, but TJ Harden, much better in a straight line, similar to Charbs. Um, he's pretty decisive. He'll get up field quickly. He's got good power as a runner, not afraid to, to lower his shoulder and run you over. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think that that could lead to him getting some some draft capital. We'll see how that shakes out. But TJ Harden, a riser for me. 
And then last running back riser I have is uh, Jadarian Price running back at um, Notre Dame. Now he is, <laughs> he's a tough one to, to peg down here because he did tear his Achilles uh, as his freshman year. And I liked what I saw out of him as a freshman. Uh, and before he tore his Achilles, he was getting some buzz in spring. Um, he was a sudden athlete. Uh, he changed direction very quickly. He could make defenders miss in tight spaces. A um, little bit more of a strider as a runner, but still could break off long runs and pull away. Uh, he was pretty solid in the passing game as well. In high school, they split him out wide, have him some run some routes. Um, so there was a lot there to like about Jadarian Price. And in that bowl game against Oregon State, we saw some good things. He had a 54-yard run. He had three, 13 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. Um, he looked much better than Jeremiah Love. Um, Jeremiah Love, 15 carries, 39 yards. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that backfield split ends up shaking out. But if I had to put my money on somebody right now, it would probably be Jadarian Price. Um, stepping in, filling in the lead back in a Notre Dame offense. You know, that's a that's a role that we like to see. Um, so we'll we'll see how that shakes out. We'll see how he come bounces back, continues to bounce back from that torn Achilles. But uh, as a uh, prospect, he had a, a 0.82 uh, athleticism score. So that's, you know, one is the top. So he would be 82nd percentile athlete, 79th percentile speed score for us. So if he can get back to that form, I think Jadarian Price could have a really nice year. And he's another candidate who could continue to rise for me uh, throughout the process. All right, last up, Debbie wide receivers. And this is where we're going to see a big shakeup. Uh, we could potentially be losing 11 of my top 20 wide receivers from this past year. That's Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, Mecca Egbuka, maybe. Um, Xavier Worthy, Jalen McMillan, Devontae Walker, Keon Coleman, um, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr., and Adonai Mitchell are all inside my top 20 and all potentially leaving. We'll see what Egbuka does. That uh, If he comes back, you know he's going to slot in right there with Evan Stewart and Luther Burden for me, um, right at the top of the rankings. You know Him, um, Stewart, Burden, even Tate. Probably in that mix, but I'd probably put Igbuka ahead of Tate. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how it ends up shaking out. He could Igbuka could be as high as one, as low as three at this point. But uh, if he comes back, he'll slot in here. But I do have Evan Stewart as my wide receiver one uh, for Devi purposes, ahead of Luther Burden. Um, Evan Stewart, I think, just in terms of what he does as a receiver. Um, he's a little bit more independent than Luther Burden. Luther Burden does still rely on some scheme to help him out a lot. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, schemes in the NFL get players open all the time, but I think Evan Stewart is a little more system agnostic. You know, he's, he was a verified 10, five, 800 meter speed in high school. You know, he, so he's got that track speed. He can score anytime he touches the ball makes the defenders look silly in the open field. He's a yak guy. Um, I think he he gets top speed very quickly, so he's very bursty. Uh, he tracks the ball well, um, good body control in the air, and I think he you know made some nice 
contested catches as well um, throughout these first two years. So he, I think, is pretty close to a complete wide receiver. So I have him just ahead of Luther Burden. So I think Luther Burden does bring a lot to the table, but probably a little bit more scheme dependent. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out throughout the year. But for Debbie purposes, where we're ignoring CFF production, give me Evan Stewart. Uh, and then the rest of the list looks pretty much exactly the same. Um, Burden, Carnell Tate, Tet McMillan, Zachariah Branch, Jonte Cook. Um, I do have um, Barry and Brown inside this top 10 for Debbie purposes uh, ahead of um, Matthew Golden. So Barry and Brown, what we saw in the bowl game, he can do so many different things. He scored a, a kick return touchdown, he had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, that level of speed. Uh, offensive coordinators could get very creative with. And I think NFL offensive coordinators are going to like him. I don't see him at this point falling outside of day two, uh, just due to some of the production he's had, his versatility and his speed. So Barry and Brown does slot in at the end of my top 10. Uh, we still don't know what Brian Thomas Jr. is doing necessarily. Adonai Mitchell, another guy, we don't really know what he's doing. Um, those are two of the bigger wild cards. The other guys, I would assume most of them are leaving. Um, but Jeremiah Smith, Micah Hudson, Cam Coleman um, are all three also in contention for top 10. Uh, Debbie wide receivers, Jeremiah Smith, Micah Hudson would check in inside the top 10 for sure for me. If Cam Coleman, again, kind of right on the border. Um, and then I do have um, Mikhail Lemon and Deuce Robinson just on the on the outside there as well. Um, on the outside looking in. So it's a very tight tier towards the bottom. But a couple of risers for me, a couple of fallers, and then I'll get you guys out of here. Risers, um, Deion Burks, wide receiver now at Oklahoma, formerly of Purdue, checking in at my wide receiver 54, and, and definitely a candidate to rise throughout the offseason here as I watch more of Deion Burks. Because I'll be honest, didn't really watch all that much Purdue football. Oh, I definitely watched some. Uh, and I, you know, I think Burks looked good. He's got good burst, good speed as a wide receiver. I think he's a yak threat. Um, he wins at the catch point pretty well. He also creates some nice separation. I think he can run, uh, a, a fairly expansive route tree. You know, uh, he, he's, um, a little, uh, he's a little smaller on the wide receiver and he's about 5'10, 195, but he can play outside as well. 93% of his snaps out wide. Um, so you can move him around but he can do a lot of different things. And I think at Oklahoma this year, um, he could be in line to fill uh, the, the wide receiver one role in that offense. You know, Nick Anderson uh, did look pretty good in the bowl game. He showed out in, in some spurts, but he's more of a down the field guy. I think Deion Burks is a candidate for sure to fill that Drake Stoops kind of security blanket threat um, that Oklahoma had this year. But Burks is more athletic and should do be able to do more as a yak wide receiver than Stoops did. So, you know, we'll see uh, how Deion Burks fits into that offense at Oklahoma. But guy was second team, all Big Ten, um, 600 yards, seven touchdowns. I would expect him to be a starter on Oklahoma. Uh, and that's that's good enough to, to check him in a wide receiver 54, especially given his already existing skill set. Somebody I'm going to have to watch a little bit more because he could potentially rise a little bit. But Dion Burks, definitely a name to pay attention to. And that's also a name that uh, Felix Sharp uh, has been touting at times this year as well. So uh, he was a big Dion Burks guy uh, and got to give him 
the respect here for that one. Uh, another riser is Mikey Matthews, the wide receiver formerly of Utah, now in the transfer portal. Um, I have not seen anything about Mikey Matthews in the portal. I have not heard him connected to any schools at all. Um, so we'll see where he ends up. But it's tough to end up at a worse spot than Utah for a wide receiver. So it should be getting an upgrade in that regard. Um, he broke the year one zero throw threshold. He had 261 yards receiving uh, in a Utah offense that really struggled to pass the ball. Uh, he's mostly a slot, 81.6% of slot snaps, but he's got good long speed and he's very quick. Um, he can create separation with his speed, with his footwork. Um, he's got good body control, ball skills as well for a smaller wide receiver. So he's got some good skills. I'll be really interested to see where he ends up because um, he's at my wide receiver 60 right now. But if he ends up at a, a place that could really showcase his talent well, he could rise a little bit for me. Um, but I think Mikey Matthews has a role in the NFL. Uh, where exactly it's going to be or, or how uh, strong of a role it's going to be remains to be seen. He was just a freshman this year, but... Um, Mikey Matthews, uh, wide receiver, 60 for me. And shout out to Noah Green uh, over at the Debbie D-Gens or Dynasty D-Gens guys. Um, he's been all over Mikey Matthews, touted him on our show earlier in the year. Um, so Noah Green is the OG Mikey Matthews stand. Uh, I'll just highlight a couple fallers here, and then uh, that'll be it. Uh, fallers first up, all the year one zeros. Um, Hakeem Williams, Jerry on Dickey, uh, Shelton Sampson Jr., Nathan Leacock, Cordell Russell, all of them, including Brandon Innes, which hurts. Uh, I was really hoping that he could hit this in the bowl game, but Ohio State only had 10 completions in that bowl game. That was terrible, terrible offensive showing, uh, from them, especially the quarterback position. So Innes and Egbuka played. Um, so Innes was not really able to break that. And that's definitely sad. I still stand by the process of holding him, uh, until, you know, earlier in the season, I wasn't selling him. I stand by that. Um, but at this point, he's my wide receiver 61 for Debbie purposes. He'd be higher than that for C2C purposes, uh, because he still could potentially be looking at a starting role in this Ohio state offense. But if a comes back, that's big trouble for him. Uh, and then for Debbie purposes, wide receiver 61 feels about right for Innis. It's hard to totally write off Ohio State guys, but being a year one zero is definitely not good. So he's plummeted in my rankings. Um, Brandon Innis, wide receiver 61. Two other fallers for me, Antoine Wells Jr., uh, now at Ole Miss, formerly of South Carolina, formerly of James Madison. Uh, he's my wide receiver 50. Um, it was kind of a weird year for him this year where he was injured and then, you know, like just never came back rumors that somebody was telling him not to come back because they would go get him out of the portal. Who is that? We don't know. Is it Lane Kiffin? Hard to say, but Antoine Wells coming back, going to be a fifth year guy at Ole Miss in what's kind of a weirdly crowded wide receiver room. I mean, they're going to have Trey Harris. You have Deion Smith, the formerly of LSU, who they tried to bring in last year, but he couldn't get his grades in, in the right spot. So he did a year at JUCO, dominated at JUCO. Um, 
But then, you know, they also have Aiden Williams and Caden Lee. Caden Lee actually broke the year one zero threshold. So if you're keeping score at home, he had 114 yards on the year after this past bowl game against Penn State. But he was outside the top 300 anyway, so it doesn't really count. He wouldn't show up on that list. But Caden Lee potentially got to pay attention to. Um, Aiden Williams, you know, he's a year one zero, but he had some flashes this year. So it's it's a weirdly crowded wide receiver room. Antoine Wells and Trey Harris will probably be the two candidates to lead the room. But as a fifth year guy, not really guaranteed to be the lead wide receiver. He's a stock down for me. Maybe wide receiver 50 is a little too harsh. Maybe he'll bounce back up a little bit for me. But uh, Antoine Wells, definitely a faller. And the last faller for me is Torrey Horton. He is coming back to Colorado State, which is great for your C2C league, great for your CFF purposes, not great for Debbie. Fifth-year guy, not really getting any day two buzz anymore. There was a little bit of that earlier in the year, but not really hearing much of that. Uh, I think he showed also this year he's kind of limited as a wide receiver. Um, you know, he had to do a lot of operating in the shorter area um, this year. You know, maybe some of that has to do with the offense, but uh, I don't think Torrey Horton's going to get that same buzz next year. So. Uh, Tory Horton, definitely a follow for me as well. All right. That is going to do it for me today. Um, I hope you guys had a, had a happy new year. And, you know, I saw some people shouting out on Twitter that, you know, some success that they had um, this year in, in their C2C leagues when, when we kind of called for that. So that's great. I hope everybody did one, at least one championship. We're going to get you another one next year guaranteed or, well, no, I can't say that. Austin's gonna, uh, Austin's gonna yell at me. So I'll stop short of guarantees. But we'll be here for you all year, all off season. Happy New Year, everybody! And I will be back next week. But until then, have a good one.